Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and culture of their family's environment. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Guerrero. Greetings, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me. I really, really love my sleep. How about you? We always love sleep. We need it, too. We absolutely have to have it to be able to function at our best. So our topic today, we're going to be talking about what happens when you have a baby and the baby has their own sleep schedule or maybe not so much sleep. How do you deal with that? How does that affect the marriage? How do you deal with the responsibilities of who gets up and who deals with the baby in the middle of the night? So we're going to talk about all of these things. So my guest with me is Nicole Radcliffe. Nicole is amazing with what she's done because she has solved this problem that we have with how we manage this sleep issue. How do we actually get our babies to sleep? And so I am absolutely fascinated to have her on. Just very, very, very happy to have her on. And she is also the founder of Baby to Sleep. So we're going to talk about what that is. So Nicole, thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. Nice to be here. So you're awfully passionate about quality sleep. I mean, really, really fired up about it. There has to be some kind of a story behind it. Did you lose a lot of sleep at some point in life? What happened? (laughs) Oh, you could say I lost a bit of sleep. Absolutely. Um, So so I've always been, prior to having my um, children, um, I was always the sort of person that if I had to leave the house at half past eight, I would get up at eight and in that half an hour I could have my shower, get myself ready, have my breakfast and just get everything sorted and be out the house and have my makeup on, the lot gone. Um, And I've always been that way. So when I had my little one that just decided that sleep was something that only other babies did, (laughs) she was like, no, (laughs) sleep is for the week. I was like, no, 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 sleep is not for the week. Sleep is good, (laughs) really good. She didn't get the memo. <laughs> she just didn't get it. Um, and basically, our life just kind of went on hold and we just stopped getting any sleep. And what we did get was so broken and in such short space, you know, short intervals that the quality just wasn't there. The amount wasn't there. And oh gosh, it led to the most awful, awful experiences that we could have ever imagined. There's a stereotype we are dealing with that generation, it's generations old. It's that mothers have all of the intuition and the instinct with understanding and supplying what the baby needs. And dads are not as relevant or needed. So dads literally just check out or find some other area to be useful that does not involve childcare until the baby becomes an adolescent or a teenager. Why is this thinking wrong? And why is this stereotype even dangerous? Oh gosh, it's it's wrong in the sense that actually both mums and dads can have exactly the same bond with their baby right from the beginning. There is no such thing as we have this intuition because we are female. Oh, we really don't. We have not got a clue what we are doing. Uh, We kind of have this baby in our arms and go, somehow I've got to actually keep you alive. Okay. And right this minute you are in my arms. So I've got to figure this out. 
And I think what tends to happen in the beginning, especially with breastfeeding um, journeys, is mum tends to hold the baby quite a lot. (laughs) So dad naturally ends up sitting on the sidelines and thinking he's not really needed. (laughs) And it's just you, you automatically, accidentally end up putting a divide in there and then dad starts to kind of think, well, what am I actually supposed to do here? He feels a bit like a spare part. He's wandering around. You get a bit of resentment then from mum. And then you actually end up starting to break the relationship down. And it, it's really not a great place to be because the communication starts to fail. Um, where actually what we want to be doing is kind of saying, do you know what? Neither of us have had a baby before. So neither of us know what we're doing. And we both need to be very, very accepting of the fact that we really haven't got a clue. So we're going on this journey together. And actually, do you know what? If I'm going to breastfeed, if dad's involved, the chances are the breastfeeding journey is going to be much more successful because you have a supportive partner there to help you on that journey, where it's more likely to fail if mum is feeling like she has to do it all on her own. Whereas if dad is there to help and aid and supply mum with snacks and cuddles and hold baby for a little bit to give her a respite, maybe take baby away for nappy changes so the king, so dads can get some bonding time as well. Because this is the other thing. If mum is holding the baby all of the time, when does dad get that chance to bond? We need to separate this and say, do you know what? Yes, okay, mum might be feeding the baby all the time. But actually, if baby wants to be held to sleep, there's no harm in dad holding baby and maybe doing a bit of skin to skin at the same time. Mm. Um, stroking baby's head, smelling the baby's head, you know, helping get that oxytocin released because oxytocin is basically the love hormone. It's what cements that bond. And it's not just the mum and baby relationship oxytocin doesn't just come from the mother it's it's exactly the same it just takes a different type of working to do it um so things like nappy changes eye contact talking to your baby while you're changing the nappy tickling their feet stroking them all these little things are absolutely essential for bonding and it doesn't have to be massive big long um chunks Because at the end of the day, yes, your baby at this point probably does need to be with mum quite a bit more if they are breastfeeding because they will feed a lot. But those short bursts of quality time are so, so important with dad in helping cement the bond, helping give mum a chance to actually take a little bit of respite, to actually appreciate the dad as well, which sounds like a crazy thing to say. But actually, if dad is really sort of chipping in here, mum's then feeling not so lonely because what a lot of people don't realize is going on that journey to parenthood as a mum you can become extremely lonely you know you might have a baby with you 24 7 but you can actually feel completely isolated and completely alone but yet if your husband or your partner is chipping in and you're watching them create a bond your relationship then together becomes stronger because you can see it and you can feel that you are in this together Um, It's a hugely, hugely important aspect. The other thing with this as well is at the end of the day, what message are we sending to our children if it's all about mum doing everything? 
if dad's right. not really getting involved we're not sending the you know equal rights you know um women are just as um you know equal as men are they can all do the same sorts of jobs it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman to be a parent we're not sending those messages there are we we're saying it's all down to mum and dad will just go on and crack on and do whatever it is that he does where actually we want to be saying anybody can do this we've just got to do it together Guys, I hope you were listening to that because we just learned a lot in that little bit. The part that I think is the most interesting is how you talk about the sharing of of the responsibility, specifically the bonding time. And so we have this perception, and like I just mentioned before, we have this idea and this perception that the moms have it all together, that they have everything figured out and that they just know it all. And that is intuition, which you just said is, is absolutely false. And I had another mom on as a guest just recently, and we had a fascinating conversation later about this very, very topic where she validated the same thing. Moms do not have it all figured out. What has happened is that they have put the time in They have invested the time, they have invested the energy, and as a result of putting in that time, they have figured it out. They've figured out little tips and tricks, what makes makes their, their baby react a certain way. They figured out the languages, they figured out the needs. All of this stuff comes from putting time in with your baby. A lot of it can also come from time before the baby's born as well. mm Mm-hmm actually putting that time in and learning about things before the baby arrives. And there's so many opportunities there for the dad to be involved with bonding Mm. even before birth. Absolutely. So that whole stereotype is, is completely destroyed. Dads are absolutely essential before the birth and even after the birth, especially after the birth. So take advantage of those times to bond with your with your baby. But there are also different types of dads. There, there are dads who are not even biological dads. Absolutely. So we can go out even further from that. That bonding is still essential. The baby still needs that and has to happen. And the bonding that happens with the mother is different than the bonding that happens with the father because the father and the mother are different people. Or it could be an adopted parent. There's so many different scenarios. In fact, I know of people where the grandparents are raising the child. And so the bonding there still needs to happen. There's so many ways that this can happen. So I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up. And that really just completely throws the myth out the window, doesn't it? Though of it, uh, it, it all being down to intu- intuition with women, <laughs> it it does. It's gone. So, yeah, if if you're the type that you've bought into that for whatever reason, and I get it, I I understand it completely. But if you're if you're the one that's going to work and you're spending your time and everything else, because let's admit it, you feel left out and you might even feel scared. But I'll tell you what, you're missing out on so much and you are never going to get that back the same way. It is a one way street. When that opportunity is gone, it's gone. So if you want to get that bonding later, you're going to have to work a lot harder at it later in life. We're going to go ahead and go into the next area, which is uh, your marriage. 
So you mentioned that there was a lot of struggle there, and this was in our own conversation that you and I had. You mentioned that you managed to completely turn the marriage around when it was in crisis. So what was it exactly that changed things? In the end, it actually was sleep, but we had a big journey to get to that point. Um, so we had a really, really tough time with the fact that neither of us were sleeping. And there was a lot of anger there. There was a lot of resentment there between us. Um, a bit of judging, I suppose, in the sense of, well, why can't you do it? You're a mom. You should be able to do it. And it's like, well, no, hang on a minute here. You know, you should be able to do it as well. And actually, really, what we were doing, we were just butting heads because neither of us really had a clue what we were doing. And we had a baby that just wasn't sleeping. And we just wanted the other person to fix it. And neither of us could fix it. Um, and you know I didn't actually enjoy being around him at all if he was in the same room as me and I heard him breathing I was just like go away and it was just a really awful place to be and it really was just down to the fact that we weren't sleeping so we eventually went down the marriage counseling route um to see if that would make a difference we were at the point of saying it's either divorce or we get counseling and we see what we do um, we stuck with the counselling, we opened up, we did communicate, we argued a lot more, but we were communicating and we were sort of trying to stick together. And then when our daughter was eight and a half months, we took a final punt on um, hiring a sleep consultant to help us with our little one's sleep. Um, and that was the turning point because we started to be able to get some sleep it wasn't like we were going to bed and getting eight hours a night I can't even remember the last time we got eight hours a night um but it you know but we were getting chunks of sleep something that had been missing for so long we were getting time together in an evening because we could put her down to bed and she wasn't up every hour needing me to go up and feed her back to sleep every single hour um, and deal with lots of crying and lots of stress and frustration. We could put her to bed knowing that we had a good few hours before she'd sort of wake up and shout for us. So we actually started to get to know each other again. We were talking to each other and, you know, we might just sit and watch a film together. And it was just rebuilding those foundations uh, that had been completely broken because everything had just... Nothing had gone the way that we thought it was going to go. And it was just, it was heartbreaking because the one thing that I'd always wanted was children. And the child that we got nearly destroyed my marriage. And I'm the sort of person, as is my husband, that does not believe in, you know, broken families. Um, you know, both of us have got our parents still together. We're not from broken homes. We're very, very fortunate to be that way because I know that that isn't the way for so many. Um, and we both feel fortunate for this. And we've both got them same values ourselves. Um, and we don't want our children raised in a broken home. So we kind of, we fought for it. But to, yeah, to be at that point where you think it really could end up that that is where we're at was so sad. Um, and we didn't think we were going to have another child. Um, it was the trauma of everything. And it, it sounds strange to say the word trauma, but severe sleep deprivation really can lead to that kind of, 
it's like a bit of PTSD. Um, my husband still actually suffers really with it. I think, you know, it's long lasting damage from long term sleep deprivation. Um, again, I'm not saying it's tired. It's nothing to do with being tired. It is severe, severe sleep deprivation. Um, you can't even put them in the same category. But it was it was getting that sleep. It was getting to know each other again. And she was an accident our second, but she was a very happy accident. And one of the things that I can say, and this goes back to what we were just talking about before, she was born three days before we went into lockdown here in the UK and he was home. And the fact that he was home, he was able to spend more time bonding with with our youngest. Um, he was also then able to start bonding with our eldest, which is something he hadn't really had the opportunity to do because he would worked in the evenings. So they never really saw each other that much. Um, my daughter and him and daddy and in lockdown they got to spend more time together while baby was there and also he would then take baby while I spent time with my eldest so the relationship actually changed between him and the children as well by being together and spending time together and I see the relationship between him and my youngest is very different to the relationship between him and my eldest because they had that time to spend bonding right from the beginning. And when that bond is taking place between your husband and and the children, I'm sure it does something to the atmosphere of the home for you. Oh gosh, absolutely. It's it's lighter. You know, the environment is lighter. Um you're not stomping around, which sounds like a terrible thing to say. It sounds so childish to be stomping around. But when you're just so tired, yeah, when you're so frustrated, you do end up kind of, there might be a few door slams and um, things like that that you were not proud of when you look back. But in the moment, you're just so angry. And there is, there is a huge element of anger that goes with it. Was there a sense of relief the moment that you both figured out that the source of all of your marital problems was simply lack of sleep? Oh, gosh, yeah. And it made it easier to stick together more I'm not going to say it was perfect you know far from it you know we're like any couple really have ups and downs with anything you have to work at it um but we went through some very dark times with my eldest at various points in, in her life you know in the younger days um she set so many challenges from her for us and hmm. you know we literally we would go you know two steps forward and then we'd be back again and then you'd have to work really hard to figure out how we fixed it to then move forward um which was really really difficult um but it meant that because we knew the actual issue was the sleep deprivation it wasn't that I didn't like him anymore (laughs) um (laughs) you know you could actually turn around and go well do you know what I did marry you for a reason you know we did love each other, there which means that, that doesn't just go away. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something else that's going on here. Um, what is it? And actually, do you know what? That's our thing. And when things get really bad now, we have to look at the situation and go, well, what is it? And we go, actually, do you know what? It's because we're knackered. It's sleep. We're going through a stage where we're not getting as much sleep as we need. And we just then try and support each other better through it rather than sniping at each other, which is what we used to do. 
I remember back, you know, when I got the news, when I when I learned for the very first time I was going to be a father, and I remember the nervousness I felt. And a lot of that has to do with a lot of other things. I, I did grow up in, in a broken home where um, I was mostly raised by my mom and my bio, my biological dad was not around. Um, and that's a whole nother story. But much, much later in life, um, I was able to meet him and we had a lot of great memories together. But I do remember one of those times and this was before the birth of my first son where I was having a conversation with my dad and I was just letting him know how I was feeling that I was very nervous about things uh, just because, you know, this is my first time and my confidence was kind of down. And um, so I asked him if he had any advice or what he thought uh, or if he had any wisdom or anything to share with me, I was looking for anything for any kind of encouragement. And he said, well, you know, if you can get past that first year, that first year is going to be absolutely terrible. If you can just get past that first year, it just gets better from there. It, everything after that gets much, much better. So, yeah, just just get through that first year and, and you'll be fine. You can do it. And so dads that think that there is no future that involves their babies sleeping through the night. <laughs> and so what is your words or what are your your thoughts or ideas on that so right let's think how can i actually put this in a in a good way there's various different ways we can actually look at trying to do this if you want your baby to sleep through the night well first off we need to define what sleep through the night actually means because everybody's variation of that is different. Some people that might be a six hour block, some people might be looking at a 12 hour block. So what actually is sleeping through the night? Generally, we're looking at around an average of 11 hours is overnight sleep. Um, that's what babies tend to need, about 11 hours during the day and then so many hours of naps during the day, split over X amount of naps, depending on the age. So what we need to be looking at is saying, right, if we can make sure that we get naps in a good place and we get a really good bedtime routine that's conducive for sleep and we help our little one actually be able to settle to sleep in a way that is not reliant on mum feeding the baby to sleep, then actually anybody then can really start taking over on those nights and helping that baby sleep better. Now, it's very, very normal to expect babies to still be waking up in the night even sometimes after one, even two. But we've got to accept that actually, yes, okay, as much as babies do sleep through the night in that first year, and you will hear of babies sleeping through the night from like two months old, it's not the norm. It's, it's the norm that a baby will wake up in the night for a feed or something like that. That's the norm. But how you actually divvy that up between yourselves can make a big difference so does it really matter if your baby isn't sleeping through the night as such if the parents are better rested so if baby's quite happy and they're getting 11 hours but they might happen to be up a couple of times a night well that's actually not a bad thing but if mum is the one that's doing every single night wake and can go into bed later and dealing with them all then mum becomes quite 
frustrated and tired and more snappy and that then breaks the relationship down a little bit so what we want to be doing is saying right how can we actually do this together as parents um, and we say right well do you know what the first half of the night is the easiest if that's the first that's the easiest part of the night to help our baby settle back to sleep without a specific aid for example whether it be the breast or a feed or mum to do something whatever it might be so we might say well do you know what mum you go to bed earlier so you can get a good chunk of sleep so they might go to bed at nine o'clock or something opposed to going to bed at 11 12 o'clock so they might go to bed at nine and that means they could potentially take over the nights from say one o'clock so if baby wakes from one o'clock mum takes over it means at least she's had a good four hour chunk of sleep so she's in a better place to actually manage so she's going to be less frustrated the following day it also means that at least dad can then say right well the first half of the night I wouldn't even say one o'clock actually, but you know, a bit earlier. But dad then can deal with any wake-ups that happen in that first half of the night. Baby is actually okay with either parent doing these settles because at the end of the day, it isn't one person doing it and there isn't a specific trigger to actually get the baby back to sleep. They've both communicated with each other on how they're going to help their baby settle to sleep. Dad can then take the first shift. He can then go to bed let's say midnight or something like that, which it might be later than what he'd like to do, but it means that he's then going to be not disturbed throughout the rest of the night because you've made a pact that mum does the second half of the night. And you you look after each other's sleep at the same time as well as looking after the baby. Does that make sense? I love that. Nicole, you're the founder of Baby to Sleep, and it's written out as baby and the number two and then sleep. So it's baby to sleep. Where was this? First of all, when my sons were born, you're, you're, you're late now. (laughs) I'm kidding you. But seriously, it's not too late for moms and dads. So what is baby to sleep? How can it bring that wonderful sleep that we all crave and need? And how can dads get a hold of you if they're struggling with in any way with this? It's me helping and supporting families that are on their own journey Um, to getting a better night's sleep and supporting them in getting a better night's sleep. I help right from before your baby's born right through to six years old. So it's a case of, right, so what we can do is say, baby's on the way, baby's going to be here soon, let's get prepared. Do you have a website or how can can dads get a hold of you? So um, I have babytosleep.co.uk is my website. Um, you can find me on Facebook, which is just baby to sleep. We have Instagram and Twitter, which is baby underscore two underscore sleep. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel as well. Um, currently there are 80 videos on the YouTube channel with loads and loads of free information on there as well. And there is, um, a mini series that I did last Father's Day, which is about bonding with your baby um in that in that very beginning stages so if you're looking for tips to help you know you increase that bond with your baby in those early months um especially at the beginning and supporting breastfeeding have a watch of those videos there as well um because you might really really like them but there's just like i said there's loads of freer videos on the youtube channel that's just baby to sleep as well and i'm always adding new things onto there all of the links that you just mentioned will be in the episode description. So if you go to the fatherhoodchallenge.com, so that's the fatherhoodchallenge.com and you go to this episode and 
you click on, you go all the way down to the description and look below the description. All of the links that Nicole just mentioned will all be there. So that does wrap up our time. It feels like it went by so quickly, but Nicole, I'm so thankful that you came on the program. You gave us a very thorough education. And I think I'm fully convinced that this is going to positively impact a lot of marriages and a lot more families now are going to be getting sleep that they have been missing for a long time. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood Challenge. If you would like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com.